thank you for doing this with me. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah. I, uh, when I was sitting down and listing out um, a lot of the people that I wanted to talk with, um, your name kind of popped into my brain a couple of times. Um, so I'm like, you know what, Mr. Stemley, that's the guy, that's, that's the guy that I want to talk to. So uh, I appreciate you doing this with me. Oh, sure. Um, before we kind of jump into things, I want to have you just kind of explain to everybody um, how you and I know each other. You know, I knew you before we met, okay. and that's because I announced your basketball games. That's right. That's right. I remember. And so yeah, and so I called your name a lot. Yep. And I sat right next to the bench, um, but I really didn't meet you. Probably didn't meet you formally until the first day of senior year. Yep. And you you were my English teacher my senior year. Yep, and you. I met you at the door, like I did all of my students, and mm -hmm. we shook hands. I, you know, I basically says something along the lines of, "Well, it's about time." <laughs> yeah. Yep. And after that, we were just fast friends. It was exactly. Great. Yep, I, I agree. Um, you, you or I think. Say that again. You sat by the door. Yes, me, Sarah, and Laurel. Just yep. Right, right, right. Those first three <laughs> seats, right in the front of the yep. door. <laughs> um, one of the things that, uh, I look back on, especially in high school is, um, I didn't mind school. I was, I did pretty well in school. Yeah. Um, I was always a math guy. I was numbers always made sense. And I was never an English guy because I just, I didn't really enjoy reading. I didn't really enjoy writing. I just kind of, that was always kind of my, uh, my mindset, but my senior year, you made English by far my favorite class. Oh, that I've ever, I, I was ever in. Um, and you just, that environment that you, you set up for us, I was, I don't think I was necessarily a great English student, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed the class. I enjoyed being there because it was just a different dynamic than everything else. And you added to the class. And that was one thing I always appreciated was that, that because discussion was so important mm -hmm. yeah. in that class and you were always right in the middle of it. Yeah. Especially with your sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. I tried. I tried my best. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> well, those two girls sitting with you, it was hard not to have a good time. I know. Yeah. Sarah and Laurel, they are still, <laughs> I mean, my best friends to this day. I, oh. I love those two to death. It's yep. a shame that we all live far apart from each other, but, yeah. but I do, I do love them to death. Um, well, let's kind of just jump right in on, uh, kind of who you are i know i know that you're not from evanston so i just no. want to kind of hear your i haven't really talked about your life story and where you kind of how you were brought up and and whatnot all right i was born in southern indiana okay a town called new albany which is right on the ohio river and it's right across from louisville oh okay so my family was all from that area you know within maybe 20 30 miles and um, we moved away when I was six years old. We moved to Akron, Ohio. And that was a real formative part of my life. Okay. We were there for five years. And so that's where, you know, first grade through fifth grade. And I was, um, that's where I learned to make friends outside the family. Right. And got involved in sports and, and all that. And then in sixth grade, my dad, who worked for Goodyear, was transferred to, um, 
Motor Wheel Corporation in Lansing, Michigan. And so we moved to East Lansing, and that's where I went to the remainder of my grade schooling and then high school, and then I stayed and went to Michigan State. Yep, and I remember that. I remember you being a Michigan State alum. Mm-hmm. And, and so majored majored in, Engl- in English, it, right? Started out in journalism, and okay. that didn't last long. <laughs> you know, I was I was sure that Sports Illustrated had a spot just reserved for me. <laughs> no, it didn't, it didn't quite turn out that way. Uh, but I knew I wanted to write, and so I transferred into English thinking that's what I would do is become a, a novelist or mm-hmm. a poet, something like that. And, uh, of course, you have to teach at some point if you're going to be an English major. There's not yeah. much else you can do. Um, and so when I got into teaching, I realized that that's what I was really meant to do all along. And so I student taught in a little town um, in southwestern Michigan called Coloma. Okay. And, and uh, the first day of student teaching, the three student teachers had introduced themselves to this faculty. And I saw this cute little red-haired girl named Teresa. And so <laughs> I uh, introduced myself more personally after the meeting. And uh, over the course of a few weeks, we started having lunch together every day. And when, then we just, went, when student teaching ended, we both went back to campus and continued our love affair. And um, we decided years later that we would write a Broadway musical about our romance. <laughs> oh, Coloma. But then we figured we had copyright problems with that title. So, <laughs> <laughs> But that's where we met, and that's how I started. Um, our first year of, of teaching was on the Navajo Nation. Oh, okay. Yeah, I taught at a community college, and that was a real experience. I had most of my students were um, at least my age, if not older. Really? Yeah, because um, indigenous students get free education for as, oh. long as they, for as long as they want it. So, so they'd come to school and they'd stay for six, seven years. Gotcha. And um, most of them spoke a little bit English. The ones I, I taught spoke English, but it was definitely their second language. Then we returned to Michigan and got our master's degrees. Um, I taught in a high school in Battle Creek, which is where they make Kellogg's and oh, really? is that yeah. all in, that's all in Michigan still? That's in Michigan. Now that the yeah, the first job was in Arizona. Oh, okay. Yeah. With the Navajo. And then um, then we moved out to Wyoming in nineteen eighty and we were were in Green River for almost twenty years. And then we decided it was time for a change and we moved to Evanston. Nice. And we um, retired twenty seventeen. I heard about that, yes. Yeah. And I bet that was as wonderful as ever. <laughs> yeah, I like to tell people it's highly underrated. Fairly, yeah, fairly. Everyone would tell me, you know, like, hey, where do you retire, man? It's great. And I went, oh, sure, okay, yeah, whatever I got <laughs> to do right now. But it really is. You're, I'm on my own schedule. I read what I want to read. I write when I want to write. I, I have time to talk to my old friends like you. I just. Fair enough. Got grandchildren now, and that's, we have time for them. So that's awesome. What originally yeah. brought you to Wyoming? Just change of scenery? Well, what happened. The main impetus was a failed school board election 
in Teresa's district. So in Michigan, schools are funded by taxes directly. And so the millage election there failed and they cut the music program. Just cut it. So she didn't have a job. And since we'd lived out West and we liked it out West. And so she opened her job hunting beyond Michigan and, um, and got, you know, found green river. And I mean, they were offering an astounding $17,000 a year, (laughs) which was $3,000 more than we were making. And so, so how could we turn that down? Right. So then we, yeah, we moved out to Wyoming and. So um, what, what did Teresa major in? Music. Music. Okay. She, okay. And did she ever teach in Evanston? Yeah. She taught at Clark. Oh, okay. Elementary. And that was, and that's her favorite school she ever taught at. She taught K-12. Nice. You know, in all the different iterations. She taught Mm -hmm. band, she taught choir, she taught, you know, general music. But elementary music was her favorite, and Clark was her favorite school. And so That's where it was hard for her when she retired. Really? Yeah, she because she was leaving students who were coming come back the next year and have her for a teacher. Uh, whereas I only had seniors, so right. I had a few juniors yelling at me. <laughs> Wait, one more year, just one more year. One more year. Yeah, and I'd say, yeah, I could do that for ten more years. You know. <laughs> Yeah, Clark. Oh. I think Clark is where my brother went to school. Um, and you had my sister the year before I me. I had Becca. Yeah, in English. Yeah. Um, so I always knew of. I always knew of you. Um, mm-hmm. Becca. Becca was an English. Oh, was always an English person. She loved oh. to read and she Great. loved to write. Yeah. Um, she was very good at it too. And so yep. she, you know, you were always. She was. I was like, you got to make sure you get into Stanley's class. You'll love it. I promise. I'm like, it's English. Yeah. I can't love it that much. <laughs> yeah. well, she would bounce into class. She oh, yeah. was just always so energetic. and Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that was my sister for yeah. sure. Um, how did you – so you got your major in English. Um, mm-hmm. Was getting your major just kind of like, hey, I have to teach just to kind of – start somewhere or when you got in the midst of your major, you, you realized that you wanted to teach. Yes. To both. The beginning was I met with an advisor and she, I said, I want them to transfer into English. And she said, okay, we can do that. And she said, what would you like to do? And I said, I want to write. And she said, okay, what are you going to do in the meantime while you're writing? Because all the, all the great novelists that we have today had other jobs when they were starting out. You mm-hmm. know, like Stephen King was an English teacher. Oh, okay. King was an English teacher. You know, and then they just kind of found everything. So um, I said, okay, I'll, I'll teach. And she gave me this look and she said, you can't just say, I, I'll teach. You have to want to teach. And so I told a lie and I said, Oh, I want to teach. Sure. I do. I didn't want to, I didn't, want to do that. <laughs> you know, I, I coached a little bit. I coached baseball. Like okay. literally. I like that, but I, I couldn't imagine, you know, being in the school the rest of my life. <laughs> but I took my first education class and got doing it. And I thought, Oh my gosh, this is great. This is what I want to do. Okay. And so, and now I'm writing. So, you know, I, Fair I got enough. done. That's awesome. Um, as a teacher, 
I imagine you come across, I mean, you come across different types of personalities, students, wide range of ages. Um, what are some of the pros and cons that you've kind of gone through as a teacher and, and kind of appreciated becoming as being a teacher? Mm -hmm. Well, the pros, I mean, it's, it truly is rewarding to watch people learn. And especially when you get someone and I'll, I'll get, I'll use you as an example. I loved having students tell me I've never liked English until this year, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I could always spot the math. I could spot the math fans because you're better at grammar. So I would have kids who would, would really struggle with, with their, in their writing with punctuation and sentence structure and stuff. And I would walk around the room and talk to kids during their drafting and I'd say, um, what do you feel about math? Ugh, not very good math. <laughs> okay. But very creative. You could tell the kid had good ideas, but just couldn't put them right. In. Then I come to a student who is very precise, very good. Maybe not necessarily creative, but the writing was was proper. Mm -hmm. You like math? I love math. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah it makes sense. So I, I got, you know... I could always find something to love in, in all my students, but that was one that really pleased me was when someone was struggling and then we found a way together because mm -hmm. I always saw myself as a teacher, but also as a co-learner because I was learning with you all. Um, so, that, so that's part of it. Another pro is, as I said, of learning, I got to learn for 40 years. Because I was always trying to become better at what I did. Mm -hmm. And so I was always researching and always just, you know, picking brains. And, and so that was a pro. And, and another positive was basically just relationships. You know, when I stopped coaching, people asked me what I missed. And I said, you won't believe this, but I miss the bus rides the most. I love the games. I love practices. But I just really love being on the bus as, as uncomfortable as that could be mm -hmm. just talking to my, my players and just listening to them talk. Um, in terms of the negatives of teaching, it's very time consuming and it's very energy draining, mm -hmm. especially English where you have to grade papers a lot. Yeah. So it, yeah, I would, um, I'd probably, most of the time I'd be grading papers for an hour, two hours every night. And Teresa was great about understanding that. But maybe once a year I'd walk in the, into the living room and say, everything is graded. She said, what do you mean? I said, I don't have anything left to grade. <laughs> waiting for me tomorrow, you know? So there's that. Um, and I guess another thing that's tough about teaching is there's lately, especially since we've retired, there's so much public pressure. Yeah. And there are so many demands on, on teachers to uh, getting it from both sides a lot um, for achievement. It used to be when I first started teaching, you know, we were left alone and you just went in and you did what you knew was best for kids. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's become much more mechanical, I think. And so you've, you've got, to, got to document everything with data. Right. And um, so that's the challenge for teachers now. 
is to satisfy that request, but also still be authentic mm-hmm. and still inspire kids. It's not easy. That's why a lot of teachers are leaving. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, with you saying that teaching's very mechanical, that's one of the things that I really appreciated about your class more so than anything in listening to, um, we'll kind of talk about your podcast things a little bit later, but listening to your podcast, that's, it was by design, you know, the, the round, the round table, the round table design, um, mm-hmm. having the open, you know, the middle wide open. Um, it wasn't, you weren't in rows or in groups of tables or anything like that. Like it was a different, um, more open dynamic, which I think mm-hmm. is a situation that looking back on it, that's where I thrive more as an individual. Like I always thrived more in having more open discussions more so mm-hmm. than like a, you know, four people. It was always yeah. having a large group and bouncing ideas off of. I've always found it more, more entertaining for one. Yes. Um, and I just found it more helpful to be able to s- listen to three or four people talk to each other. And then I'm formulating ideas that way. Um, and that was one of the things that, although teaching has become more mechanics and having like a system to follow, I feel like you, you did really well with, okay, I'll follow that mechanic, but I still have to do, you know, the circle around the room and you still have to have that creativity to it, which yep. I think has appealed to me more so than anything. Yeah. Yep. Um, you got it. That's exactly what went through my mind. Yeah. Was, I wasn't going to be insubordinate mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I really believed in the, in the organizations I was part of, but at the same time, the most important people in that school or in my classroom, I weren't outside the room. Right. Um, that circle was important for that reason. Yeah. Um, you've talked about having different age groups. So, um, I didn't know you didn't teach outside of high school. So you've taught in middle school as well. Mm Mm-hmm. What has been, uh, of, of the groups that you have taught, what was, if you were to go back and do it over again, what's the, like the preferred group that you would want to teach? You know, seniors, um, actually were the, you were the easiest. And, um, I have so many fond memories of that because you're so much, excuse me, I'm going to cough. You're good. <clears throat> Edit. <laughs> Seniors were easier um, because you're so much closer to adulthood, and we could we could just talk on on an open level like that. And it wasn't so much dealing with management issues. I taught seventh grade, and that was all about just you know finding ways to keep kids in their seats or pay or helping them keep their attention span going. Um, but I liked every level I taught. I mean, I, I enjoyed working with the middle school kids because you could be crazy. I mean, in fact, it, it helped if you were a little bit. Mm-hmm. You think back on your sixth, seventh, eighth grade education, you probably had teachers who were a little goofy sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you could, you were allowed to be, um, and, um, so I enjoyed that part of it, um, but everything had to be really small bits. You know, we we couldn't do a, a forty-five minute discussion. They, you know, whereas in high school we could. 
Right. Um, I also taught adults. And so, um, you know, part of starting in the mid eighties, I started doing staff development training and I was sent to all sorts of, of trainings where I learned how to teach cooperative learning and choice theory and, um, other classes dealt with equity. And then I returned and taught teachers in my district. And after a while, I start working with teachers half the time and students half the time. And that continued in Evanston. Okay. And so my last 15 years or so in Evanston, I taught three classes. And then I, the rest of the time I was working with teachers. And that's a whole different dynamic working with adults. In some ways, they're like kids. Right. They have certain needs. But um, I enjoyed that also. I think that's what kept me fresh. Right. Working, you know, I could try out different things. I would imagine working with adults, especially teachers who have gone through, you know, the education system already, that some of them would be like, I know, Eric, I know. I went to school for this. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and, I had to learn that. <laughs> yeah. And the the balance of like, like I'm not saying what you're doing is bad or what you're doing is wrong. I'm just saying that there's a better way to do it. I imagine that would be a complexity in itself. Yeah. I learned how to, to use non-judgmental language. Okay. So here's here's a different way to do it. Not necessarily a better way to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then we could explore together. So here's what I observed you. I saw you do this. Um, here's another way to do it. Let's talk about, like you just asked me earlier, let's talk about the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. And then that way we could, we could build that together instead gotcha. of becoming and saying, ah, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let me right. show you how it's done. No, that, that didn't accomplish anything. Right. Um, as I've listened to to some of your your podcasts and things that you've done, um, I, f- I found it very intriguing the way that um, you didn't just uh, design your classroom necessarily for an educational, like, yes, for an educational purpose, but there's a kind of a bigger picture in things, mm-hmm. um, allowing people to have that open dialogue and to bounce ideas off of one another. But then you also have um, different ways where like people may not agree and you can find that common ground. And there's a lot of real world implications in a, in a classroom setting. Um, how did you come about that's that, that was the way that you felt the, the right was the way you needed to teach it. Does that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I went to Catholic schools, mm-hmm. which was the opposite of that. Right. And so for eight years, you know, we did sit in rows. We had to stand to recite. We, we wore uniforms. Um, you never called out. You never made a joke. You know, um, my high school was much more relaxed than that. It was a, it was a public high school in a college town. Uh-huh. Um, so I, had, I learned that. So when I went into my first classrooms, I was always very nurturing and student-centered, but the focus was still a lot of what I was doing in the classroom. 
And then I started taking classes um, in Green River uh, based on William Glasser's theories of human behavior. That was called choice theory. And the first four episodes of my podcast deal with his four basic needs that all of us have. Love and belonging, power, freedom, fun. Um, that completely changed the way I taught. And at that point, I, I introduced the Koosh ball, for instance, mm-hmm. so that it wasn't me calling on people to speak and, and me determining who got to, to take the floor. You know, we all did it together. And, did, and so that's really how I changed my focus, that this had to be more egalitarian and it had to be an organic experience where we built it together. And sure, I was responsible for everyone's safety and everyone's ultimate learning outcomes. I was responsible for making sure we got to a certain point. Mm -hmm. But as much as I could, I wanted you all to have the freedom to explore in your learning style best. Right. So that's, that's how that came about. I had really good mentors for that, and I did a lot of research into that. And that evolved over time. Um, but you, you keep using the word open. And I think that's a perfect word to describe my teaching was open teaching. Yeah. Yep. And I, and as an English student, um, I, I remember an instance of, uh, we were reading Les Mis mm-hmm. and Les Mis is like a thousand pages or whatever, whatever it is. And I'm the type of student that would look at the book and be like, yeah, I'm not re-, like the book is thick. I'm not reading the book. No. Um, and I remember, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I remember, uh, I remember one, uh, one class we were doing your, we did the, these discussions, um, probably once a week of like these, the block of chapters, we would read it. And at the beginning of every week, we would just talk about the previous week's block. And, um, I really did my best to try to read it, but I remember there were times where, like, I'm not reading this. So then I would use <laughs> the good old trusty spark notes. And Mr. Stemley caught on to Ben a little bit using spark notes. And I remember you calling me and said, what did you think? And I basically just like read the spark notes and then he, and then you just made it like interesting. It's like someone just put it on the internet and you just pulled it right off. And everyone just knew that like, yeah, Ben just read the spark notes and the, how everybody laughed. I laughed. And like, it was the sense of like the, the relationship that we built over over the year allowed you to be able to be like, okay, Ben can handle me teasing him a little bit about using the spark notes and not reading the book. (laughs) And I've always, and I always appreciated that. I was a high school student once who didn't like to read everything. (laughs) Yep. Things like that. Um, Stephen Covey talks about the emotional bank account. And he said that in our relationships, we need to make as many deposits as we can. And it's anything you do to make bring you closer together with someone is a deposit into that bank account you share. Right. And you want to have that in pretty good shape so that if you need to make a withdrawal, you don't bankrupt the relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's how that's exactly what you and I were doing there. You know, if I really didn't have much of a relationship with you, I couldn't have said that safely. Right. It would have been at you it would have been hurtful and if it hurt you 
it would have hurt a lot of kids in the class. They might not have said anything, but it would have created some doubt in their minds. Like, am I next? Right. I do anything. But the fact that you and I got along so well that we could tease and we could do that. Yeah. It's interesting that, uh, <laughs> it's interesting that you, you mentioned that cause I've never, I've never heard that, you know, the, that phrase before. And one of the things that, um, as I've been doing this, that I've really focused a lot on is these relationships and friendships that I've built, um, over the years and a good, a, a, really, I have three friends that I'm really close with. Um, you probably know Draper Robinson and Tristan Pearson. Yep. Um, and then we may have a buddy that I met while I was in college playing soccer and the three of us, the four of us are really close. Um, and that's one of the things that I've realized in our, my, our relationship is that sense of like, we can pretty much say anything to each other. We've said some pretty mean things to each other, but knowing like at the end of the day, like that, we've got that emotional yeah. bank account where like, I'm going to take this dig, but like, I know that we're going to be okay because of what we've added to this account. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's interesting that you that, that it's interesting how often I have these conversations and like, those are things that always pop into my brain of like different relationships <laughs> that I've had yep. over the years and like how they've all grown. And these little instances that I've done, I've had in my life have all helped me build these friendships and these relationships with everybody, which, which I've always found really interesting, especially while doing this, because I've never had this open dialogue where it's just me and another person before. And, you know, I, like I said, I, I can talk and then all of a sudden, like, I'm starting to work things out in my head and then I can go on tangents or something like that. But I've, being able to work through that stuff um, has been really fun and exciting for me. And that's just something that's interesting that you've brought up that I kind of, resonate with is that that emotional pink account type deal mm -hmm. that's from covey's book the seven habits of highly effective people my dad bought i think my dad bought me that book and i yeah. think the fact that i ha i don't know it's from there might hurt his feelings a little bit <laughs> it's, it's a short book you still got time <laughs> but that enough. yeah and it's really basic stuff but that's mm -hmm. the one that really sticks with me mm -hmm. because and relationships. That's one thing I worry about in, in education. We've we've gone to individual independent learning sometimes, blended learning, where you know kids are setting their own goals and getting online and working on just what they want to work on. Mm -hmm. um, and that has merit, but I don't think you'll ever replace the sense of class where you have 25 people coming together who know each other and work off each other. And you've got a history that you create from August to June. Mm -hmm. And then that's where all the inside jokes come from. And that's yeah. where all, you know, where you can, and then you learn how to learn with each other and not from one person. So, yeah, yeah, it's been, it's, that is extremely interesting and intriguing for me. Um, so you mentioned that you're doing a lot of writing now. Mm -hmm. um, I th think I saw somewhere that you've published a book. Yes, I have a book. It's called I Was Not the Blossom. Okay. And um, that title comes from the idea that, that I was, um, how I looked at 
at our classroom. And as I mentioned earlier, I always wanted to have an organic experience. And so I, I would think of our classroom in terms of a garden. And so I thought, well, I know that my students are flowers that grow. They come in the beginning of the year, they're seeds and they just, you know, right. start to sprout and they grow. And then by the end of the year, they bloomed and they, you know, think of the beauty and the fragrance and all that, that a, a, an open mind can create. And I thought, well, if I'm not, I'm not, okay. If I think of flowers, okay. I'm not the roots. That's, that's kind of the root is, is kind of all of my history, what I've learned. And that's where I kind of draw on that to, to nurture, um, the flower. I'm not, I'm not the blossom because that's, that's what the kids are. They're the stars in the classroom, not the teacher. You know, when visitors came to our classroom, I, I wanted them to watch you guys, not me, because you were the ones that were doing the work. So if I wasn't the root and I wasn't the petals and I wasn't the blossom, what was I? And then I thought, well, I was the stem. So I was one who supported and I was one who was a conduit behind content and then performance. And so um, that that's the title of the book, but it's based on a blog I did the last year of my teaching. And I, um, I wanted to communicate with parents. And so for a few years, I was blogging after every class day. Basically, here's what we did today. Here's what your daughter or your son did. Here's what we're working on. Here's something you might think was interesting about it. No one read it. I was posting it on like a district website. Mm-hmm. And a friend said, you should migrate that to Facebook. Put it on Facebook and maybe people will read it. And so that's what I did my last year. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I blogged every day. And I found a, well, some kind of a theme to connect it. And then um, when I retired, I decided to do more with that. And so I took each of those blog posts and I wrote a reflection on it. And that, so that took the specific happening of that class day and either connected it to my career or to the world of education in general. And I self-published on Amazon. And yeah. And I've sold maybe 250 copies. It's not a lot. A lot of friends and family. Fair enough. But um, yeah, it was a really great experience for me to write the book and to connect with folks on it. And you still write a blog every every week. Yep, I changed that to um, you know STEM is such a nice marketing word. So, <laughs> uh, and so since I had retired, um, I call my blog STEM Unwinding. Yep. So you have STEM winders, and I'm I'm unwinding. I'm just kind of, <laughs> and, and it so fits yeah, right in with the name. Yep. <laughs> that comes out every Thursday. Awesome. Um, what has it, what has it meant to you to be able to have the time to be able to, cause I mean, ultimately that was your, your goal the whole time was to be a writer and to be, yeah. 
Um, so what has it meant to you to have that time now um, since 2017 to devote to yourself to those things that you've always kind of thought you were going to do? It's been wonderful. And that's why I say it's um, underrated because I, I do have a routine, but it's a routine that I created. And so I, um, you know, I do, I do some reading in the morning and then I write late morning, early afternoon. I take a nap, Love which it. is wonderful. <laughs> you know, I call it the fourth period nap. And, um, and then I read again, right, right before dinner. And I read a variety of things. Um, but the writing, I write, um, at least one poem a week. Um, I did a lot of writing with the podcast because mm -hmm. the podcast is scripted. Okay. It's just me. Right. Um, and so, um, so that, that took a while to, to kind of put that together. Um, speaking of the podcast, um, you've got a couple episodes out, um, right now, I think there's six, five or six. We just, yeah, we just published, um, episode six That's last right. week and episode seven comes out Tuesday. Nice. And mm -hmm. I have, uh, I, uh, I, I didn't start listening until I think three or four is when you sent me that for, when you first sent it to me. And so I've gone back and I've actually listened to all of them. Um, oh, wow. and one of the things that I find, I've always found, in, I found interesting about this and hearing about, you know, your book and your blog is you've really, um, oriented yourself around this education, this idea of the education world and how, mm -hmm. and kind of give people out there like the sense of like, Hey, like this is what it means. Like education means to me and what it should mean to, to kind of society. So that focus on education, um, why is that such a big emphasis for you um, kind of when you do a lot of these things? Mm -hmm. You know, I talked about being a writer um, when I was, you know, late teens. And I saw that as a way of, of artistic expression. And, um, and then when I, started teaching i thought okay i can I'll, i can still be an artist I, i'll write some i'll find time and i never did really i i discovered that my true art was teaching and steinbeck talks about that that that's one of the greatest arts um is teaching and the medium is the is the human mind and heart um and so i see that you know it's, it's consumed my life being in education, um, but it's more than, it, it's not a matter, you know, my teachers, for a lot of my teachers, especially in college, were lecturers. Mm -hmm. And that's what I thought teaching was, was you got up and you talked to people and told them, and then they told you back what you said, and depending on how well they told you, that's what their grade was. Um, so what's nice about being retired and having this time to to blog and to, to podcast is I've kind of broken out of those four walls of the classroom and just kind of sharing what, what I know and what I believe. Um, so that, you know, we do this together. I want people to realize that, 
that that education is more than you know one person sharing ideas mm-hmm. but it's something that we we build together yeah and it's that's very interesting and for um those who are listening uh the podcast is called a teacher with presence gifts to help kids meet their needs i listen to on apple podcast is it on spotify too it is and okay. it's um but i but i think 70% Aren't analytics great, by the way? Yeah, they're they so, yeah. <laughs> um, The analytics suggest that seventy percent listen on Apple. I listen to podcasts on Apple. Okay. Myself. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So that's um, that's where I think most of my my listeners are coming from. Okay. Um, so you can find it on Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Spotify. Um, it's been great for me to look back. Um, one of the things that. Um, I've learned just from listening is um, I don't think people ever stop being students. That's what I've kind of yes. wrapped from this is I think no matter how old you are, I feel like there's always some sort of lesson that you can be learning continually. Um, and as I've, you know, as what I do for work is I'm a, I'm a manager for a mitigate for a flood and fire cleanup crew. Um, mm-hmm. I, I manage cool. a bunch of technicians and, a lot of my job is training. When I get new people coming in, I have to show them, kind of show them the ropes, get them up to speed so that we they can be helpful and and kind of not slow us down, but keep us more productive. <clears throat> um, and it's been a real balance of how to, okay, how do I get this? You know, I'm a very, um, you can't necessarily tell me how to do things. I need you to like show me, mm-hmm. watch me. And if I'm doing anything wrong, correct me. And if you say I'm doing good, I'll just do that. And I can just repetition. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a hard time with like reading instructions and then like, okay, if I, you know, baking is impossible for me. <laughs> like it's like half a cup of sugar. Okay. And then I'll go, I'm like, okay, wait, did I do this? And that gets, gets confusing. But once yep. I bake something, I go, oh, it's just muscle memory. Yep. Um, but I've also learned that like, I am not everyone is like that for me. So like I train people who are similar in personalities and characteristics. Those people are far easier for me to train. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is that level of, okay, like they don't, they don't learn the same way I do. And when I listening to the podcast, I've like, Oh my goodness. Like these are all things that like, I'm a teacher in the sense of teaching somebody how to do a job. You know, I'm not an educational teacher, but I'm teaching them how to do this set of work and it applies in, yep. my, in that situation. And then it applies as me as a learn, like as someone teaches me, it applies in that situation. Like, okay, like these are how I like to learn. And a lot of those tools are in the, that I've heard in the podcast are tools that I've realized that have been always, are always an important thing for me and are a reoccurring thing for me. And so it's very insightful for a lot, for just not just students in the education system, but a day-to-day student in life. That's a great perspective. Thank you so much for sharing that with me because I, I worry sometime that my focus is too narrow or my, or I think a lot of times, you know, folks hear that, oh, this is a, a podcast on teaching. And they say, I'm not a teacher. I'm not listening. Right. Um, or I'll, I'll listen because Eric's my friend, but you know he's not really what <laughs> what I do. But there you go; you're a perfect example. And and in any sort of business where you're working with other people, there's give and take all the time. Mm-hmm. 
there's teaching and learning going on between each other. But you found out that one of the the real challenges of teaching is that people don't have the same styles and preferences. Yeah. And some people give it to them, give them the directions, they'll read it, they got it. Some people just tell me, I'll do it. And then as you say, show me how to do it, guide me through it. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I mean, I yeah. just, I it's recommend, nice. I recommend people listening to it because I mean, they're, I mean, ever, Mr. Stemley's famous for being able to talk to individuals in clear and concise ways. And it's <laughs> when I talk, when I, whenever I talk to you, I'm never like, I have no idea what he's talking about. It's always very, it's always very clear. This is what Stemley is talking about. <laughs> Um, and, and the podcast is no different is it's very organized and it's very, um, straightforward. You know, sometimes I feel like if people listen to this, they can be like, where is he going with this? And it never really goes anywhere, but that's just kind of how my brain works. Um, and that's kind of designed for me is more of like a, I want to be as real life as possible when people listen to this, as if they're having the conversation with me. Um, and when people have conversations with me, there can there can be some confusion sometimes. <laughs> That's the beauty of your podcast. And I've listened to, I listened to, um, I love the one where Ben talks to Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it was late at night, but yes. you said, um, I listened to Laurel and Sarah and Roy. Oh yes. Uh, so I started with folks that I, I knew best. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, I'm just eavesdropping on this great. <laughs> yeah. Conversation. And it's so natural. You yeah. you know, you just get into it with them. And what I appreciate about it, and this is important in your in your work too, is that yeah, you you explain things when they need to be explained. But sometimes you, when you're having your conversations on the podcast, you're you don't you're not over explaining things. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just dropping in like, hey, remember that one time that this happened, and you yeah, and. <laughs> I could enjoy that. I really do. I don't, I don't have to know all the background. I don't have to know who certain people are. I never heard that name before. It's still a, a human experience. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it opens yeah. it up. Yeah. You can, well, I, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this. Oh, um, sure. it's, it's been great to see you um, and yeah. talk with you again. It's been, I mean, I don't think I, I, I came back after, I graduated and I came home from my mission. I think I crutched around the school to kind of say hi to everybody and make sure everyone knew I was okay yeah. kind of thing. But that was 2015. Last time I saw you. Yeah. And I said, what are you doing here, Ben? <laughs> yeah. And yep. then you told me, but boy, I, I didn't know the whole story. Like you told. Oh when yeah. You, when you told the whole story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So uh, it's been a while since I've talked with you. So it's been great to sit down and, and chat with yeah. you. Um, yeah. At the end more. of it. At the end of every episode, um, I ask whoever I'm talking with um, to offer a piece of life advice that they can give to whoever's listening um, mm -hmm. on how they can live a successful life, whatever that means to you. So mm -hmm. um, if you've got anything, whenever you're ready, take it away. You know, something I sh always share with my colleagues was the benefit of being happy. And... And you know from being around me that I'm that I'm basically a happy person. Yeah. I, you know, that's, you know, if I'm going to go through my day, I might as well enjoy it. 
Um, and I do that. I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is smile. Like, here we go. Here's what we're going to do. Um, because I want to be happy. I know it's a choice. Even, even if things aren't going well, I try to see things um, from a happy perspective. One of the benefits I've found is because I'm usually happy, if you're familiar with the law of attraction, the universe gives you what you ask for. Mm-hmm. And so because I'm happy, I tend to hang around happy people. Either they, when they come to see me and I'm happy, they start feeling happy. We're happy together. Or people just know that, that when they, when they call me or, or come in to see me, that we're going to have a, a, a happy experience. Um, there's plenty of people you can find to go gripe with and, and moan and groan with. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if people really at school, if people really needed help, they, they came in. But a lot of times if they wanted to, to complain about something, they found somebody else. Right. Because when they were with me, we just had a good time. <laughs> so my advice would be, you might as well be happy because you're, you're going to find that the happier you are, the more happy people you find. Yep. I love it. Well, again, I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate all that you've done for me in my life. The, joys that we had in class and the memories that we've made. I appreciate all of it. Um, And keep up the good work. I'm going to continue listening to the, continue listening to the podcast. I read, I, again, I'm not a big reader, but every once in a while I'll, I'll catch myself pick, you know what, what is Stanley Ratner's blog this week? And I'll catch myself reading it every once in a while. Um, But um, yeah, just keep it up. I've, I've I've appreciated it and I've really enjoyed all of, all the things that you said. So thank you you again. You too. I'll keep listening to you. I'm enjoying that. I love it. All right. I will talk to you later.